And please take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. My apologies to uh, the sound room people, the audiovisual. I told them 10 through 20, and then I changed it up for Bob and made it 10 through 13, because that's what we're going to be looking into this morning. So please uh, look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. By the way, uh, on the back of the pew, if you don't have a Bible with you, there is a copy of the English Standard Version. It's available for you if you would like it. If you don't have a Bible at home, please take that as our gift to you and uh, use it, read it, enjoy it. We would appreciate that. We're doing a series this summer called Changed Minds, Changed Lives, and we're identifying various thought processes that we need to bring in line with the Word of God. And to me, one of the most challenging thought processes for us to get a handle on is the whole idea of contentment. You know, when you are exposed to our culture, contentment is not something that's going to be produced by interaction with those around us. Think about it. Watch a little bit of TV, drive down the road and see a billboard, and there's always something that can improve your life, right? What kills me are some of the commercials on TV where you see a mundane task and the person is totally frustrated that they're unable to complete the task, but then buy their product and there's a smile on your face. There will even be a sparkle in your teeth and in your eye as you use their product. You can have smoother skin, nicer hair. You can have a bigger TV, a faster internet, You can have all of these things, and when you get it, you still won't be content. Our culture tells us that contentment comes through many things, and that is the furthest thing from the truth. Now, for some of you, you're going through trials. You've experienced the pain of loss of a loved one, of a job, of Circumstances that have brought you into a place where you're struggling as you come to church this morning. You're hurting. There are others of you who are in a really great place right now. You're looking and you're saying, man, things are going well. And I would submit to you that either end of that spectrum can have a difficult time with contentment if they don't understand the basis for contentment. And that's what we'll be looking into this morning as we look into this text. What we find in this text is this truth. You have to learn to be content. I would submit to you that none of us are going to be naturally content. We're going to find something to complain about. We're going to find something to find the negative in. We're going to find some sort of hole in our heart apart from our relationship with God. And so, as we come to this text, what the Apostle Paul shares with the Philippians and what the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, wants to share with you is the key to contentment. So, that's what we're going to look into this morning. Now, as we come to this 10th verse, we find a call to the people in Philippi to carry on by learning to be content. And what we find as we come to the 10th verse is Paul describing for us some of his own circumstances. He shares with the people at the church at Philippi, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length 
You have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now, this passage of Scripture is Paul's testimony to the church at Philippi, and here's what's going on. The Apostle Paul is imprisoned. And something that is perhaps quite different from our prison system is this. In the Roman times, when a person was incarcerated, they had to pay for the place that they were incarcerated, especially if they're under house arrest. So the degree to which you could pay would determine your living arrangements. The Apostle Paul was not a wealthy man. He was dependent on God. He supported himself as a tent maker. And now he is imprisoned for fully following his faith, and he had no means of support. So that could mean that he would be consigned to a deplorable place and have to suffer as a result of that incarceration. But the church at Philippi came through. They supported him. And because of their support, the Apostle Paul was able to share ministry. He was able to continue the work of ministry by receiving people who would come to visit him in house arrest, and he was able to share with them and lead by proxy through their ministry. It was a great thing that God was doing through the ministry of the church of Philippi. Paul wrote letters and was able to continue his work as an apostle and a leader in the church. And as a matter of fact, when we look in Scripture, we find that Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon were all written during this stay in prison. Why? Because the people of God had come alongside the apostle Paul and had helped him. And you know, something that we all find is this, we can enjoy the ministry of other believers when we go through a hard time. Now, for some of us, we have a hard time doing that, don't we? Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. I'm the one that helps others. I'm not the one that receives help. I'm the one that gives help. It's a humbling thing, isn't it? When we have other people and we are unable to care for ourselves in a certain area or during a certain time, and somebody else must come alongside and help us, that's extremely humbling. But humbling is a good thing. It teaches us to open our hearts to the people that God supplies to minister to our needs. And so here, the Apostle Paul is giving thanks for the people at Philippi, and he's expressing his thanks to the people at Philippi. But something else that we see in this text, notice again this 10th verse, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that you now at length have received your concern or reviewed your concern for me. And then this statement, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. As much as people want to help us, sometimes people do not have the opportunity to do so. So we have to find a contentment outside someone caring for our needs at times. Now, sometimes it's just human limitation. Sometimes they're in just as much difficulty as we are, and they're unable to come alongside us. So the idea is this, contentment is something that transcends other people's ability to care for me. I appreciate it when people care for me, but I can't depend on that for my contentment. 
There has to be something beyond me that I find to find that contentment. And that's what we see as we progress through this passage of Scripture. Although the church at Philippi was a loving church, although the church at Philippi supplied so many of his needs, the Apostle Paul shares something that is profound with us in the 11th verse, and that is this idea. Contentment is something that has to be learned. Look at verse 11. Not that I am speaking from being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. You know, this passage of Scripture is pointing us to something very important, and that is this. Contentment is a process that is learned through experience. None of us come to contentment naturally. Contentment is learning to be dependent on God. And I guess as we start to talk about contentment, perhaps it would be good to get a definition of what contentment means. So let's talk about that. The word in the original language that is translated content in this passage is made up of two root words, self and sufficient. Now, when we think in terms of being self-sufficient, what do we usually think of? I got this. I have it covered. I don't need anybody but me. That's the idea that we have of self-sufficiency, but that's not what the word contentment is communicating in this passage. The idea really carries with it the idea of being happy, content with what you have, just you and God. Finding your right standing, your place in who you are because of who God has made you. That's the idea of contentment. Not looking around and saying, I'm lacking this, I'm missing that, but looking and saying, God is an all-wise, all-loving God, and He will provide for me exactly what I need because of my relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. That's the idea of contentment. And let me share this with you. Contentment is something that must be learned. The idea is we go through experiences that God puts us in to teach us greater dependence on Him and a greater ability to be satisfied with what God provides. A classic passage for this is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and in that passage, the Apostle Paul describes a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan who was sent to buffet him, and the Apostle Paul shares with us the struggle that he had, the fact that he had asked God to take it away, and this is Christ's response to him. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Do you see what the Apostle Paul is sharing there? The sufficiency of God's grace is all we need. In our weaknesses, in our ailments, in our deficiencies, there is the grace of God. And upon recognizing our weakness, 
we are better equipped to run to the grace of God and more fully experience its sufficiency. The text goes on and says this, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you you catch what Paul is saying there? Look, if it were a choice between experiencing the power of God or being rid of my insults and weaknesses and infirmities, Give me the weaknesses and insults and infirmities so that I can experience the power of God. Bring it on in all of its fullness. That was Paul's contentment, drawing upon the resources that God freely gives through Jesus Christ. And that was the lesson that Paul had learned, and that's the lesson he wants us all to learn as we think about the struggles and the challenges of our life. Now, I don't know where you are this morning, the challenges that you're facing. Some of you have shared some of those struggles with me, and I appreciate that. But understand it is through the grace of God that you find contentment. And let me share this with you. Contentment does not mean enjoyment. Contentment doesn't even necessarily mean that this doesn't bother me. Let me share this with you. You can be content and still experience the fullness of your pain and your loss and all of those things, but those things will not break you when you're content. Through the strength of Christ, you'll navigate those difficult places, and you'll come to the place to where there is greater dependence on God and a greater ability to keep on keeping on. And that's the key for all of us. That's what contentment brings. So let's think about this in the broadest of terms. When it comes to contentment, I can have a circumstantially based contentment where the people around me or the things that I have will be the basis for my contentment, and what's going to happen? I'm going to be on a roller coaster ride spiritually. When things are going well, hey, life is great. When things are not going well, eh, not so much. Life kind of stinks. I don't much like this or life itself. In fact, when we are telling God the things that we want and the things that we need and God fails to deliver on what we have stated are the things that we want or need, we can become embittered toward God and disappointed with Him. That is not biblical contentment. Biblical contentment is looking to God as our source of strength and the ability to maintain and to keep on keeping on, all the while experiencing some of the pain that we will go through but all the while knowing there is a loving God who gets me through this. That's the idea of contentment. And that's why as we progress through this passage of Scripture, I think Paul drills down on this a little bit more, and he shares with us that although circumstances change, God's provision never does. Look at the 12th verse. 
In verse 12, we see contrasting life events, and we see that none of these contrasting life events should affect our contentment. So let's look at this 12th verse a little more carefully. Verse 12 says this, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. Now, we're going to pause here for a moment. I know how to be brought low. When we look at this word in the original language, it carries with it not only the idea of low circumstances, in other words, a difficult time, but it also deals with the perspective that other people have of us. It's being low and having everybody around us recognize how low we are. In fact, some translations render this, I know what it is to be abased. It's a difficult thing to experience some of the difficulties of life and the responses that we get from people as we go through them can be brutal, even more brutal than what we're experiencing. Leave your finger here in the book of Philippians and turn back a few pages to 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul was dealing with a group of people in the church at Corinth who were basically trying to diminish his reputation, rise to ascendancy, bring Paul down so that they could step in and have powerful roles in the church at Corinth. And so they were highly critical of the Apostle Paul, and they were very experience-based. And during that discussion, the Apostle Paul catalogs for us some of the difficulties that he experienced as a servant of Christ, and we pick up with this at verse 23 right here in 2 Corinthians, and look at what the Scripture says. In speaking of these critics, he says, are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman. Now, by the way, Paul is saying that because what he's saying is, I don't even want to go through all of these qualifications, but they forced my hand. And to uphold the reputation of Christ and one of His apostles, I'm going to go there. But then he begins to catalog what he experienced. He has far greater labors, far more imprisonments, countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. Do you catch the idea that these were dangerous times? And then he goes on and he says this, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there was the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And I am not indignant. Wow. The Apostle Paul went through so many struggles, so many difficulties. He knew what it was to be brought low. That is his testimony. And in facing those things, Paul learned 
contentment. Back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. Now, the contrast to being brought low is, I know what it is, to abound. Now, our English Bibles miss what the original language shares with us with this word because the word is actually superabound. And so we have extremes here. I've been brought low. I'm abased. I've been in a place where I've abounded. And not only abounded, but superabounded. He had experienced both extremes. But then this compliment or, or, or this comment as, as he continues, he says, I know what it is to be brought low. I know what it is or how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Life can throw a lot of things at us, can't it? Sometimes we think, well, it's less of a challenge if you have plenty to be content. But I would submit to you that when there's the superabundance and the plenty, sometimes it's harder to be content because the focal point of my hope and my faith are on those things, on those circumstances. And that is something that's going to change and mold and move and go in differing directions. And so there's no stability. It's a very subjective place to be. But when I have an objective truth... And that is a focal point on God, on the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is my rock and my fortress and my strength, then I can be content in plenty, but I can also be content in need. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 7 says this, Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Circumstances will never bring us what we need. They will always fall short. And a contentment that is based on plenty, on circumstances, is a contentment that is due to fail you. I cannot let myself or others dictate to me the terms of contentment. My contentment needs to be centered on God. And I would submit to you that the Word of God teaches us That the trials and difficulties, the need, the being brought low, is God's classroom on what it is to become more dependent on Him and to discover the secret of contentment. In fact, when we look in Scripture, doesn't Scripture talk about the testing of our faith, the trials that we go through, and the perseverance that that produces? The book of Romans says this, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us 
because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. That's what trials bring us because we're not focusing on the circumstances. We are focusing on the Savior and what God has provided. James shares this, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is that process that Paul is talking about with contentment, coming to the place of such spiritual maturity that we're able to face all of the trials and difficulties of life. God wants us to have a perspective centered on Him, His objective truth, His Word, and not on the things that are transitional, constantly changing all around us. This is what Paul learned that he shares with us in the 12th verse. But then we come to verse 13. And as we come to verse 13, this is the secret that the Apostle Paul learned and that he shares with us. And it's a very simple secret. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now, unfortunately, this passage of Scripture has been often misinterpreted and misunderstood. Many people think of it in terms of, hey, when I get an idea in my head, I can pursue it and the strength of God will deliver it to me. That's not the idea. When we look at the context of this passage... The Apostle Paul is talking about the ability to weather storms and difficult times, the ability to make it through life. How? By Christ who gives us strength. Focus on anyone or anything else, and you will not find the path to contentment. But when we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and what He provides, that grace that is sufficient for us, We can follow that path and learn contentment. God wants us to experience that. And let me share this as a word of comfort. When God brings us through the school of hard knocks to teach us contentment, we have a wise and loving God. If there were a better path that was less painful for us, God would surely choose it. He isn't sadistic. He doesn't look down on us from heaven and say, how can I make their life miserable? God loves us, and He brings us through the trials and difficulties that we experience because as a loving God, He wants to see us shaped and molded into the image of Jesus Christ. And let me share this with you. As I depend on Christ, I become more like Him. When the Word of God is telling me in this 13th verse, I can do all things, it's saying I can endure all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we need to claim that, folks. If you're in difficult times right now, you're going to hurt. That's the nature of a trial, okay? Don't let anyone tell you differently. You'll experience the pain of that process. When Jesus went to the cross, He experienced the fullness of the pain of the cross. He experienced the fullness of the suffering by carrying our sin and being our sin bearer, but He was accomplishing the purpose of God. 
God wants you to know that no matter what your circumstances are at this time, the strength of Jesus Christ will get you through. I love the last part of this passage because notice it says, I can do all things through Him who, what, strengthens me. That word strengthen in the original language is the word that we get our word dynamic from. And a dynamic is something that brings about change. It accomplishes something. The strength of Jesus Christ accomplishes great things in our life. And contentment is just one of them. But contentment can only be found through making Jesus Christ the focal point of our life. My encouragement to you on the basis of this scripture is quit buying into things that promise contentment and deliver dissatisfaction. They will fill a void for a short time, but they very quickly play out. The key to finding real contentment, the real ability to navigate the difficulties of life and keep on keeping on is a dependence on the strength of Jesus Christ. And let me share this. The only way you can depend on Jesus Christ is to first depend on Him as your Savior. If you do not have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you cannot know or experience the sufficiency of His grace or His ability to bring to you the contentment that you want. Someone once said, within the heart of every man is a God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. Jesus Christ promises that, but more than that, He delivers it. So if you've never come into that right relationship with God through Jesus, do that this morning. If you need to talk with somebody about how you can do that, you can speak with TJ, with Dan, with me. We would be delighted to sit down and talk with you about how you can know that personal relationship with God through Jesus. And believer, if you already have that relationship with God, stop getting distracted. Remember that Jesus is the source of our strength. He gives us the ability to keep on keeping on. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text. Thank you for the reminder that it is to each and every one of us that we have a Savior who died on the cross to bring us into right standing with you. He is the source of our strength. He is the one who gives us the ability to be content in each and every circumstance. God, may we run to Him and look to Him during our times of difficulty and trust as we walk through those difficult times that you are there. And we do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.